I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online Podcast. Welcome back to Online Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's tremendous episode was with my friend, Mr. Daniele Bellelli. Daniele is... It's got to be the most badass, potentially one of the most renowned history professors in the world. That might be, I don't know, I don't know enough about history professors to say that, but he's definitely up there on the charts. Um, he hosts the History on Fire podcast. He also the Drunken Dallas podcast. He's the writer of many books. Um, he actually is a history professor as well, um, the college here in town. Um, and he's awesome. This conversation spans all sorts of interesting wormholes in the realm of history and psychology and movement and things of that sort. And really great. Uh, really value Daniele's presence in the world. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in to the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com on there. You can start the five-day movement challenge, and people have been digging that. It's five simple videos, breaks down a lot of the stuff that I go on and on about into simple how-to. So I uh, hope you guys dig that. If you got any kind of neck stuff, back stuff, hip stuff, those videos will be helpful. Um, I think we are just going to say thank you to our show sponsor, uh, Ned. They are awesome. Uh, some of absolutely some of the highest quality CBD oils that I have come across. It's all single source. It's all cold extracted, which apparently the majority of the oils that we're getting are not, which, uh, so that's kind of, it's kind of a bummer. Um, but this is made with the utmost intention and respect towards uh, highest quality product. So Ned, you can get 15% off if you go to helloned.com slash align, helloned.com slash align. If you guys got experiencing any kind of like head ache, head stuff, sleep stuff, um, anxiety, things like that, it's shown to be really good with. So, hope you enjoy that 15% off. Check it out. Um, I think we're good. I'm heading to Sedona, Arizona in like 20 minutes, and we're going to go out there and do like some sweats and some, I don't know what, all sorts of interesting desert ceremonial things. So, I'll be sure to keep you guys posted on how that goes when I get back. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for doing you. All right, here we go. Pow. Align Podcast. I think I have a deficit of of fiction in my life. Yeah? Yeah. Well, the thing with fiction that's tricky is that it needs to be high level. Because, you know, if something is not high level, enjoyable, but there's good, useful information in it, well, you still read it, right? Because it's like, okay, it's not the most fun book I've ever read, but there's useful info. Fiction, if it's not fun, what's the point? You know, it needs to be... So to me, average quality fiction is crap. It needs to be exceptional that inspire you and makes you happy to have read it. You know, otherwise, like, why am I reading it? Yeah. So it's the bar is higher to me. It's like it's harder to get good fiction done than because uh, there are a bunch of books that I read that are not fun to read. I don't per se enjoy them, but they contain info that are very valuable to my life. So that's a great book. Then, then it's fine. You know. What's some? Is there any standout fiction that? Pops uh, yeah, here? there's not a lot. Like I love. Um, I don't know if you ever read Tom Robbins. He's no. um, I'm familiar with that, but he wrote. 
Still Life with Woodpecker, Jitterbug Perfume, even oh, Cowgirl yeah, Scattered Blues. He's fucking hilarious. He's such a good writer. Like, I could read him reciting the menu and I would be happy, you know? He's like, he's just a fun writer to read. Yeah. And uh, so I dig him a lot. I'm reading this non-fictional book called Play mm -hmm. right now because there's one in the chapter in the upcoming book. There's a play chapter. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I mentioned in there that I thought was really cool was, was fireworks came before cannons. Hmm. You know, and so so in China they they created fireworks like cool we're playing this is of dope wow and like oh there's some other utilities I to this guess we could blast <laughs> some walls with it and kill a few yeah totally. this is interesting if yeah. you allow you if you give yourself the spaciousness for your mind to wander all of a mm -hmm. sudden you can you can attach on to these new interesting potentially useful ideas and I think you said it's space for your mind to wander right for me it's like I grew up. I grew up at a time when, you know, in Italy in the 1980s, there was uh, very few TV channels. I had, um, it wasn't until I was 10 years old that I even had access to a VCR. Uh, there's no internet. There's, so, you know, there's a bunch of time you're bored. And so I would open these books and just start letting my mind wander and like maybe spend an hour reading this book for kids where they are all these drawings and images that you have. And so <clears throat> then allows your mind to, to fill in the blanks, to imagine what that story is like, to spend a bunch of time on your own, just thinking about making up stories in your head, right? Mm. And that's such a crazy exercise for the imagination that when you have 10,000 easily available source of entertainment, you're not going to do, because why would you? You can have fun in a much easier, faster way. You don't need to work that hard for it, right? Yeah. So it's an interesting trade-off, because of course I wouldn't be like, oh, go back to the old days and live in a cave. That's not fun per se. But at the same time, there are values in, uh, there's something valuable in sitting there and really the only entertainment you get is what you come up with in, with your mind, mm. you know? So it's, it's a trade-off like anything. Yeah, there's another, it's it's interesting to me that you can kind of play your body like a tool to access different mm -hmm. thoughts. You know, so there's, uh, it's called convergent versus divergent thinking. I apologize for being so excessively non-fictional, um, but this is interesting. So when you, from walking, moving around yeah. and dancing and all that stuff, it's it's actually shown to help with outside of the box. Of course. Divergent thinking. Absolutely. And then when you're focused in it's so says this the studies which i don't think need to be completely accurate it's better for like more accessing information you already have mm -hmm. which is kind of fascinating but then i think there's also something to like a flow state with writing where it kind of breaks that rule yep if it is a rule yep uh, i think it's both you know like everything it's, yeah you got both sides of the equation make up who you are yeah yeah what about so do you have any kind of like tools for creativity lighten your fire stimulating your a lot of time i mean i think reading good stuff like reading good story right. watching good stories that kind of stuff get your mind running you know right. having a model in that sense like if i just watch an awesome episode of some great tv show that gets my creative juices going if i read something inspiring and powerful if i listen to some music that lights up some emotional things inside of me all those things tend to get my imagination, they jumpstart it, you know, everything starts flowing after that. Mm. What, are you, what are you teaching in history these days? Uh, I teach U.S. history, Native American, and history of religions. Cool. But 
you know, the beauty of doing Instar History on Fire is that I can pick any topic I want, regardless of whether it fits in these ones or not, and run with it, you know, and study and just get into it. And I kind of dig the freedom that doing the podcast gives me because I can pick any topic in history. I'm not limited to these ones. Yeah. Do you have a sense of how long you want to stay teaching? I think... Is that something that's like a passion thing that you want to continue uh, doing or is it something that you would... I wouldn't mind doing it less. Like yeah, I right. enjoy going there and meeting people and hanging out totally. and chatting about these things. It's fun. I wouldn't want to do six courses a semester. I wouldn't mind doing two courses a semester, you know? So it's like I still would like to do it, but just I don't want to drive all the time. I want to start cutting it down, you know, bringing it down to being on campus just one day a week or two days a week. That's good. Yeah. More than that is more like I got to do it, not that I want to. But I think if I can bring it down to that, I think it's a, it's a sweet spot. I think there's an interesting sweet spot or balance there of actually keeping the the one-on-one mm-hmm. human contact time. Absolutely. Like the dream for a lot of people, especially living in Southern California, is like the laptop lifestyle or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, having a laptop saddle on top of your nuts, like destroying your testosterone levels and all this stuff. And it's just like you're getting consumed by this screen and then within that there's this reward because you can make a lot more money because you can potentially sure. communicate to like a million people instead of like 19. Mm-hmm. But then there's this, this health kind of like spiritual something. There's this value out of actually like going into the classroom and having that connection yep. with people. Absolutely. I dig It's both. really confusing. That's why I think you need both. <laughs> you know, it's like one in alternative to the other is like, eh, there are limitations that come with both models. But if you can take the best of each and figuring out exactly what the right percentage is for you, you know, if you are maybe in a phase of your life, you want more of the face to face, right? Maybe a different phase of your life, you can do it less. I think you need both. That's just the bottom line, but to different degrees. And those degrees change over time. Like right now I can do a little less of the face to face, but I still want to do it. You know, I don't want to give it up completely. That's why it's like, even if I were to make a bunch of money doing other things, I would still like to go in the classroom once in a while and have that personal face-to-face contact. is a completely different kind of communication, a different kind of energy that goes into circulation. Right. Is there anything that stands out for you that you've learned from studying history that you can bring into the present moment? I think... History is great too. I mean, it teaches you about human nature like nothing else because you see what it is that people have done, what it is that people have argued, what it is that some great ideals, how they pan out in reality. Some, you know, it's a human, it's a lab on what it means to be human, right? You see all these experiments and you see the results. So to me, history is like foundational 101 kind of thing in terms of understanding what it means to be human. Mm. You know, if you teach it that way, of course, half of the time it's taught in a way that's just dry and it's just a bunch of dates and names that nobody cares about and it's irrelevant, right? So it's the opposite of yeah, that. Why do we why do we do that? Um, Is it because it's easier? Yeah, there are a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, because it's easier. Anybody can do that. Right, and just stick to the numbers. The other problem is this, is that the part where it gets fun, where really you get a lot out of history, you have to dive deep you get into specific stories where you get characters in the story. You get what this person did in that occasion and what. When you get that specific, it takes a long time to cover it. Yeah. In a classroom, if you have to cover 500 years in 16 weeks, sometimes you feel that you don't have the luxury, that you, don't, that you have to cut the quote-unquote non-essential stuff to focus on the essential, but the essential it becomes only 
It's a total paradox. The names and the, st the stuff that doesn't matter anymore. So you kind of have to do both, right? You have to keep the big picture so that you can put those tiny stories into a bigger context. But at the same time, without the stories, the bigger context doesn't mean anything, you know? So you have to be able to dive in, get into the specific one, and then get the big picture view again and go back and forth. You know, what I do with History on Fire, if I spend uh, eight hours talking about one story, I can't do that in the classroom. You know, I, I'll have to tell that story in 20 minutes at most. Yeah. The eight-hour version is a lot more fun, but we get nowhere in terms of how much material we cover, you know? It seems like the... the a real value is putting yourself in the you know the, that person's shoes from yep. a thousand years ago Absolutely. or three thousand years ago and then i would imagine what you discover is like oh they're like my, my buddy billy you know or they're like <laughs> they're like me <laughs> not, that's, that's, nothing's really changed that's totally that's totally how it is right that's where it's valuable when you get the first person perspective as long as you're talking about these abstract forces, uh, this country conquered this one, it doesn't mean anything. You know, it just, there's no relevance. Whereas when you can look at it through somebody's eyes, then it's lively, it's exciting. You can relate, you can understand why it's a big deal. You can, all of those things. So I completely agree. That's why I tend to dig. Uh, sometimes I find stories that are really good, but there are no characters in there. You know, mm. there's not enough documentation of real first person accounts so they are good in theory but i can't really tell a story with no characters you know it's yeah i mean maybe once i can kind of craft it but on a regular basis it's hard you know you, you need to have characters in the tale it's almost like we have like a like a handicap of needing to put a bow on everything you know <laughs> right okay let's summate it and put it together and like get all the numbers right and you know there's there i think there it's kind of like the play conversation it's like right. the fireworks came before the cannons kind of thing if you can throw away the idea of like okay how do we have the perfect set in the setting and the mid and the you know all the way well, I'm not, those aren't any real terms but you know i think there is a lot of value to be able to throw away all the rules yeah you know, and just get into the fucking experience of that person you know and see what comes of that definitely yeah. Which is why, you know, Hollywood movies about histories do well. Historical fiction as right. a literary genre does well. History, you know, most students in high school hate history. Mm. And for good reasons. And so there's both this love for it and this hatred for it. And they're both perfectly justified. And the love is because when you put yourself into somebody's shoes, you get to see these awesome stories that really speak to you about what it means to be human. But when you are talking about it from just the very bird-eye view of history, it's tedious and it doesn't seem to serve any purpose. Who stands out for you of leaders or teachers for you in, in throughout history? Some of the characters that I'm attracted to are all, uh, I think that says something about where I'm at, but I find that really mildly psychologically deranged individuals tend to fascinate me more than others. I get really into the, the axe murderer YouTube videos and like all the, you know, cannibals and shit like that. People that do like really deranged things. Yeah, no, I don't get quite that. I mean, I do for fun. You, you know, it's like, I did one, you would dig it. I did one story about this, uh, this guy known as the Blackout Reaper. He was a... Uh, middle of world war ii with um, the germans bombing london and so london you know they declare a blackout and to uh, not give them targets you know to, was that the blitz yeah during yeah. that time and this guy of course 
that gives cover for this guy to start going out and killing a person every single day. And it's a crazy tale. But no, usually I don't go dead. Down. I mean... Hold on, what was the deal? He went. He, he was killing someone every single day? Uh-huh. Why was he killing somebody every day? Who knows? That was just his Some thing. kind of compulsion. That's like me doing hot yoga. Yeah. I want to do one hot yoga class yeah, every day. exactly. Except for Sundays. I, I take to, a break. Yeah. Uh, he didn't... <laughs> I know, it's wild. It's like I'm living my life through his eyes. No, but most of the ones that I dig are stories where I like the character. It's not just some crazy psycho. I like the person, but he's a person who struggles with demons, who's, you know, was kind of a larger-than-life human being, both in the amazing qualities and the stuff that the person has to struggle with, you know. So whether I'm mm-hmm. talking about, you know, Crazy Horse or Caravaggio, the Italian painter, or guys like even like Theodore Roosevelt was completely nuts. He was a really interesting guy. Um, I'm doing a series right now about John of Arc, which makes no fucking sense because it's like, how do you get a 17-year-old peasant female girl in, in the 1400s in France to just come up and say, I'm going to lead an army that's going to kick the English out of France? It's like, there's zero chance in hell of pulling that off. Except that she does. Why? Why does she do that? What's her story? What's like the impetus um, of getting her? Thirteen-year-old, she... she started hearing voices. She started seeing these uh, spirits showing up and talking to her, and telling her that she was uh, kind of like Star Wars, right? You are my only hope. You know, you are the last hope for the kingdom of France. And you know, on the surface, is poor crazy girl who hears voices and is nuts. Hmm. Except that what she's able to accomplish should have never been able there's no logical way to go from that point to what she actually gets done and yet it happens and so it kind of makes you go wait what just happened there you know what was she just a crazy girl who got lucky or was what what happened there you know it's that seemed like a lot of luck Hmm. so and the funny thing that i enjoy about it is that there is no real answer there's no way to know Right, and people are desperately trying to make sense of a story that really doesn't make sense, but it's it's awesome. You know, you have this teenage peasant illiterate girl who within two years accomplished insane things before getting captured and burned to death by the English. Mm. It's crazy the balance between insanity and heroism and oh, yeah. insight and yeah. like we we tr- we strive to be normal. Because that's like the safest place. Sure. But it's also the most dangerous place because you're going to end up getting screwed if you're normal for too long. Yeah. You know, if you if you allow the whispers in your, in your head, if you got them, to come out, that's usually where some of the most largest insights come from, too. And I think that's what I mean by partially mentally deranged is that like Theodore Roosevelt was nuts. Like he was a nutcase. He accomplished amazing things and he was awesome, but he was a nutcase. Crazy horrors. Yeah, you can make you know debate about the psychological balance there, and it's also he he ride that line between genius and insanity, much like Caravaggio, the Italian painter. Much all of these people seem to deal with the same thing. How, how is Roosevelt uh, in that case? Roosevelt um, Roosevelt was funny man because the way he grew up super wealthy, but uh, with major asthma at a time when you could die from it. Yeah. And so he grew up with the sense that he was probably not going to survive until adulthood. His dad told and him, you got you to build your body, son. Yes. So he was this nerdish, weak guy, upper class, you know, everything that represents the opposite of what he wanted to be. And so he goes out and he starts doing all these crazy hard things and lifting weights and going in nature and doing the boxing and wrestling, doing this, that. 
and that becomes his what he feels is what saves him right but then he push it a little far sometimes you know some of the things there's a story that like at one point where he's running for president um, some guy just walk up to him and shoot him point black in the chest right the bullet goes in but it travels through the glass case that he had in his pockets and through these 50 pages of handwritten notes that he had so he still hit him he still go in his body but it doesn't go in with the same power that he would have gone and so everybody thought he's bleeding he just got shot in the chest so they're all like okay let's take you to the hospital and he realized of course it didn't hit my heart or i would be dead and then he figure, okay, what other internal organs is there? So he coughed, there's no blood coming out. So he's like, okay, I didn't hit my lungs either. Okay, just a flesh wound. And what the hell are you guys talking about? Hospital, I have a speech to give. And so he walks in with bleeding all over his shirt and gives a 90-minute speech because that's what he said he was going to do. Normal people don't do that stuff. You know, that's not a guy who... You know, you can say it's awesome, you can say it's insane, it's somewhere in there, right? It's like, it's a fine line somewhere there, but... And that's just one example, like, his whole life is like that. It's all... Well, that sounds like he's just, like, a savage dude. Is there any kind of, like, craziness? Well... I could be crazy, I guess, but... Some of the mania that induce him to do... Like, for example, when he's a young guy, he, he has it rough. Like, he has, on the same day, his mom dies... And his wife, who just gave birth to their first child, dies. Same day, two huge deaths in his life. He freaks out, he goes off to the Dakotas, abandon everything, abandon politics, and he becomes a cowboy, basically, for two years. Mm-hmm. Where he just... And he's clearly running away from his demon, running away from grief, doesn't want to deal with it. So he's dealing with it with denial and immersing himself in action as the way to, to escape it all. You know, that allows him to do these things that seem, you know, most normal people would not accomplish, but at the same time is a coping strategy, and it's kind of a failing coping strategy. It's not necessarily the healthiest one. So, you know, you see both aspects at play. You yeah. see, and that's how he is his whole life. You know, he, he managed to accomplish amazing things that where the odds are really small to pull it off, but you know, they come from this just driving mania to try to run faster than his demons, you know? Do you ever get the urge to join, like, the metaphoric um, American Indians in in this life? What are the metaphoric American Indians? Just, like, living out in the woods or traveling and saying, screw the whole L.A. reality, and or just packing all your bags into a backpack and saying, like, you know what, I don't need any shit, I'm out of here. Right, just get out and do your thing. I think it's a <laughs> healthy instinct. <laughs> Now, whether you want to act on it or not, and for how long, I think that's a personal judgment call. You know, that's when it's like, yeah, it makes sense for me right now in this life, or no, it doesn't. Yeah. But I don't see why it's a bad idea. It's interesting. You've you've heard you've you've read tribes or tribe. No, I heard about it. Yeah, I I heard about it. I haven't read it it yet. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So so one of the things that you mentioned in there that's been mentioned other places, but is um, just that the the colonials i think is what you'd call them they yeah. regularly would join the the yeah. american indians or native americans whatever the best term is it's a better life it's a better life man yeah, it is but almost never the i think I, they say never but i would imagine it's almost never yeah is it the other way around yep which from our perception is like dude we have toilets we're awesome like what are you doing nope nope <laughs> that's uh yeah there was a great i'm sure he quotes it because it's so perfect for his argument but there's a great benjamin franklin quote yeah 
where it says, uh, no European who has ever tasted savage life can afterwards bear to live within our settlements. Because yeah. it's more fun. It's as simple as that. You know, it's like it's just a better life in a lot of ways. Hmm. And I think, in fact, it's, I was having this discussion with my father the other day because um, he was pushing the line that, quote unquote, progress is a good thing. And I was pushing the line that sometimes it is, not necessarily. You yeah. know, it's like, to me, the fact that you are creating some amazing technological things that help the life of a lot of people, that's awesome. The fact that that also comes to the price of like half of the people popping antidepressants like there's no tomorrow, I don't know. Is that progress or is it not? Or would it better to just be living in a teepee hunting bison and never creating internet, you know? Yeah. And I don't think it's a simple answer. I think it's a complicated answer. And I think oversimplifying it, either romanticizing an ideal past or thinking it's all good in the name of progress is stupid. I think there's a line there between those two. But but it's a fascinating thing. It's like, is just plain good happiness, living in a small-scale tribe, uh, minding your business in nature, if you are happy, do you really need to change? Is there no, something that say you should be making progress? Um, I'm not sold on that idea. Yeah, you know? it's the hedonic treadmill that we're continually yeah. spinning. I was thinking about this this morning um, as I was taking a, sh- a shower. I pretty much 196% of the time uh, take cold showers. Uh-huh. I just do cold. And I just don't don't mess with the with what the a heat beast. part. Oh, whatever. It's not, it's really not a big deal is the thing. Like it's not a big deal. You know, like to me, I do that just because it makes me feel better. Sure. Like guarantee fact, if I do a cold shower, I'm going to feel better when I get out. Right. I feel kind of little, I mean, I feel fine with hot shower, whatever. But, um, but the idea that I was, I was pondering on is, um, that heat that goes into, to making the shower warm, you pay, it's this fossil fuel. There's all this energy that goes outside of you Mm -hmm. to make that heat happen. Whereas our bodies evolutionarily, they're, they're built, they feed on us doing that system from the inside. Right. Yep. You know, and so that's, that's the progress is, is we're, we're to, uh, you know, a high degree is, is we're outsourcing all these things that, that naturally run the show inside of our biology. But now we have, you know, some workers in, Canada, like extracting oil and shipping it sure. down here so that you can work less when you take a shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's, uh, you know, there are there are lines, of course, because it's like, okay, if you figure out a way to reduce infant mortality so that half of your kids are not dying before the age of three, that's a good thing. Um, so I appreciate that part, but I don't appreciate some of the other parts. So I think it's, it's really not a black and white thing. Because, of course, there are ways to make uh, life the way it was 20,000 years ago a lot better. But at the same time, it's not that that model is clearly so inferior to other things that have come up later. In some ways, it's really not. In some ways, there's something there that's... I mean, it's exactly what you said, right? It's like you got these guys who come from some of the most advanced cultures in the world at the time. Who, when they get to try tribal living, they're like, adios. I'm out of here. I'm going to live with these guys because it just speaks to me of what it means to be human so much more. Yeah. And I have a better time and I feel more fulfilled. What, what do you think you would do for a living if it was a thousand years ago? A thousand years ago? <laughs> Heatman. Wow. 
<laughs> that's legit answer. Just give me an axe. Tell wow. me what to take care of. And Dude, I would be like a jester or a dancer or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're a motherfucking hitman. Yeah, just like <laughs> tell me who to take care of and it shall be done. That's good. Yeah. Do you ever think about that? I'm reading a book called The Artist's Way. Have you ever heard of this one? Uh, oh, I read it, important. I think, a million years ago. I bet you. I yeah. bet you have. Yeah, it seems like it would be up your alley. I, I, I highly recommend it. Right. Anybody listening, like, Por Favor, that's a really good book. Um, but one of the things that it does in there is or that it mentions in there is as like a, an exercise gives you these tasks and one of the tasks is to write out i think five other professions mm-hmm. that you would potentially do which is just an interesting thought sure totally you know we're so tunnel vision in what we're doing like this is the way but it's like oh man like i think it'd be great to be like a broadway actor I've just allow yourself like, to wander that way is cool completely that stuff i remember in college when i didn't know exactly you know how i'm gonna make a living i don't know and I would make these long, long lists filled with 10,000 different ideas, even like the most implausible, like stuff that really probably was never going to happen. You know, it's like, yeah, probably I'm not going to open up a ranch and raise bison. That's not going to happen. But I'm still going to write it down because it sounds interesting. Let's see what that means, you know. And I would go through this never-ending list and then you start striking out the stuff that really you're probably never going to be able to pull off because it's not very realistic. Then you start... But then you start seeing the range of things of like, yeah, I could do 10 different things and they are as diverse as they could be. Uh Like one thing that I always thought, if I didn't end up teaching or doing podcasts or stuff like that, I wanted to, well, I guess it was still teaching, but I wanted to teach martial arts and I wanted to probably just make a living doing massage. Really? Yeah, totally. Why massage? Because I was good at it. I had a good touch for it. I was... Uh, what kind of I, massage? I, that's the part where it's like, then I would have to pick where I want to specialize in. Happy right? endings? It's, no, not that part. It's like as much as I'm all... as <laughs> the best part. As much as I'm all, uh, you know, fully supportive of uh, people who make the world a better place by giving other people orgasms for money. It's just love. Uh, still, it's all love. Yeah, no, no. I have no judgment against it by no stretch of the... Just... That wasn't quite what I envisioned, but you know, it's, uh, but yeah, yeah, I was, that was one. And so it's like, how different is it from the life I have now? It's pretty damn different, Yeah. but I can totally see myself in doing that. And I wouldn't really be a different person. It was just who I am. That too is like all these things that I do are things that I do. There are many things that I am, you know? And so I can, uh, I can channel that in a bunch of ways. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, like how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can channel in, you know, your your skills into one thing, you could probably trust that you would do most, yeah. most of the other things all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, or being a hitman. That's or being all. a hitman. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out to you, practices that have, have been valuable for you over the years, that like a daily practice that keeps your, keeps your bits together? I mean, I preach into the choir here, but I think he's like, having a physical practice is yeah. so essential that otherwise because i'm so in my head a lot of the times because i spend so much time reading so much time doing stuff that's very seem purely intellectual i so badly need the other side of the equation you know in my case it's primarily martial arts but i love lifting weights i love yeah, uh, doing pull-ups i love doing you know stuff that makes you sweat stuff that makes you work hard and sweat i find that one of the key things to mental health like i think i would be there are days where i feel like 
the pressure boiling and I'm like, okay, what's yeah. going to happen first? Will I be able to get to the gym first or will I murder somebody yeah, first? Exactly. Because it's, it's a close race here, you know, and then you get to the gym and you're like, what the hell was I stressing it's about? It's amazing it's, how fast it is. It's, oh, it was all bullshit. It doesn't, re- yeah, I mean, it's an issue, but it's not that big of a deal and suddenly you feel so much better. Yeah. And, you know, people think that, you know, you go out and you lift weights or you do something, it's about shaping your body and being healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's nice, but it's also about mental health to me, for even more importantly, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. To me, the health or the other things are side benefits. Yeah, the, the, in, the, in, in this playbook, it talks about, uh, we have, apparently we have like an, an abundance or a, a surplus of neurons mm-hmm. that are not actually activated. Like yeah. they're not actually, you know, it's seemingly they're not doing anything. And apparently, from what the book, the playbook, I, I recommend this book too, it's nice. Um, apparently, play is one of the, the most, the highest leverage stimulators of those neurons. Yep. So to make those potentially, those pathways that were kind of just like, oh, like aimless, wandering, whatever, play somehow seeps into those circuits and gets them to have a function. Make perfect sense. It's pretty interesting. Which is why I think, in fact, it's so important for kids to play and have an imagination and develop that. I mean, even more like, who cares whether you learn how to read at five or at eight? You will get it. It's okay. You know, it's like, but there are things where play is key, man. Play is so important. Even as adults, you need to do things that are where you, where you are enjoying, where you are, where you're really just letting your mind go in a way that's not strictly functional to achieve a goal constantly all the time, you know, and, it's a good feeling, like taking a mental vacation. Yeah, humans have a really long. I'm little. This is like all most all this is just coming out of the book, but um, we have a really long childhood and adolescence mm-hmm. as well. Yep. You know, and so the, a big part of that that time frame is just playing, just Absolutely. playing tag or yep. you know wrestling or all yep. that. And yeah, it's just a fascinating thing, man. I think we just forget about that. Absolutely. We're so I mean, focused on getting shit done. Even like something like you know you train jujitsu, right? It's like realistically that's play i mean how many times are you going to use it in life because yeah. you're going to do it you're you're doing an activity that really doesn't serve much of a purpose in terms of accomplishing things right your you're, body's teabagging you <laughs> <laughs> they're sweaty jocks right. yeah just playing around bud yeah <laughs> <laughs> right we're all in this together uh, yeah <laughs> well how do you how do you incorporate play into your life I think is a lot of it is martial arts kind of have that and then you know I'll do that uh, I'll, there will be play with my daughter a lot right and this whether is because we're beating each other up or because you are making up stories together or you know that kind of thing I find it I find it very good very useful is there anything that stands out that you've learned from your daughter I mean it's funny how it's always that trick of how much is nurture and how much is nature, you know, whether it's because how she was raised or because that's just how she is. Yeah. But to me, it's like I never treated her the way, I don't treat her as a kid. I treat her as a person who just happened to have a little less experience than I do or as a little small vocabulary, but that's it, right? Other than that, she's a person. She can, she can relate to the same thing. She understands the same thing if you explain it to her. And it's insane how much having that attitude and relating like the kind of stuff that she can do at an age where theoretically speaking it should never happen (laughs) and it's just because of using the brain in that fashion you know and just uh, and and so i 
a bunch of times I really listen to her insight because she says stuff that is just like, it's not smart for a nine-year-old. It's just smart. Like, I'll take that advice from anybody. If a 50-year-old give me that advice, I'll be like, oh, this is brilliant, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and and again, I don't think that's, I mean, partially I'm sure it's her nature. Partially I'm sure it's how she grew up, but I, she does have tremendous insight and sometimes I do for her and then I'll be able to help her and but by the same token you know the other way around is like I really I tend to really listen to what she's got to say because very often it's pretty spot on you know yeah it's like pre-filter I've noticed that actually recently I've been really impressed by certain young people Mm -hmm. which young is a relative term um, but people that I've like 20 years old, 21 yeah. years old, like some interesting people in that realm have come into my, my life, yeah. um, in various different ways. And before like two months ago, I'd be like, well, we're certainly not going to talk about anything. You know, really? we're not going to, why? <laughs> why did you think that way? I, th- I just think I just feel ignorantly like they wouldn't have a lot to offer. Really? I almost have the opposite thing. Well, if now anything, I have the um, opposite. Yeah. <laughs> If anything, I'm, I'm, time I'm too, switching to the in the other direction because I feel that like yeah, totally. Oh, please do tell. No, tell no, me about you your... tell. You're, you're about to. Yo, I'd rather have your insight on it. But I've changed my tune in the last like two months. Yeah, because I think when I was a kid, and you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, whatever, right, early teens, that kind of thing. All the people I enjoyed hanging around with were older. Um, but by the time I hit college or so, people were about the same age. And afterwards, people were still about college age, you know, because I feel that at that age, when you are an adult, so you have a certain degree of experience and stuff that is not that of a kid. You, you are an adult and your thinking is a little different. But you're an adult who's not yet got kicked in the balls by life so many times that you are a beaten dog. Right. And, you know, there are people who are 90 and they are not, right? They are not beaten dogs anyway, but, but it gets harder. The percentage of people who still have that spark, that excitement for life, that sense of wonder, that sense of let's go and try, you know, let's experiment. Let's, yeah, that it's like tends, a medicine. That drops dramatically with each passing year, <laughs> you know, by the time uh, if, uh, I don't know. Mine's increased, actually, not to toot my own horn. No, but that's what I mean. It's like, and that's the goal, right? You want to be the exception to the rule because the rule is not a very good one. You yeah. know, the rule is... You look at the average person, they were a lot more interesting when they were 20 than when they are 30. And they are a lot more interesting at 30 than they are at 40. You know, right. it's like, because you just got the sense of being more jaded, you got the sense that now you know what life is like, and this is what you got to put up with. And there's, that I see that a lot. Again, not everybody, of course, not everybody. Yeah. But I see that so much that the percentage of people with a spark tend to decline with each passing decade dramatically. Yeah. So that I find it so much easier. Not necessarily that the person who's 20 year old now in 20 years is going to be amazing. Maybe they will get kicked in the groin by life and they will lose that spark. But right now they have it. You know. It's, it's about moderation of groin kicks. Because the yeah. groin kicks is also what induces the spark. Definitely. But, you know, small, Godzilla. the testicle. Yeah, Godzilla-sized <laughs> kicks, no good. You know? It's like there's a point where it's like, yeah, that's a little too much. You know? I've found that my imagination and uh, belief of potential has vastly expanded since I was 20. That's where you want to be. 
that's exactly what you hope to have in life, right? Because that means, no, you haven't died, you're still alive, and on top of it, you have more experience and more things to draw from. So you got the best of both worlds. Not common. Not the most common thing of all. Because we're sitting in fucking offices. Right, totally. I mean, it's like you start taking... You get some shitty job that you have to do because you need to pay the bills, and so you got to do it. You know, it's not that there's an option. And so you die, your soul dies a little bit every day doing this shit that you really don't want to do and you're only doing for money and this is what you got to put up with and you're trapped in these living conditions that are not really conducive to a healthy body, to being happy, to anything. And, you know, each day that you do that, something of you dies off. And somehow you're sold the idea that you have to do that. Well, because in some cases... I'm all for the fact that no, you don't have to, and there are other ways. But being real is, it's also fucking hard, right? It's not that easy always for people to find a way to make a living without, like I was talking with somebody recently and they're like, I'm trying to do these 10 different things and eight are like passion driven and I'm trying a way to make money on it. And the two I actually make money on are the ones that are not passion driven. So I keep putting energy in all this direction and unfailingly the stuff that actually making me money is the stuff that I hate. Mm. And the stuff that I enjoy is making me nothing. And I mean, right now I don't have that experience. So I'm quite happy. But I can see how even perfectly smart people may struggle figuring out a way to make money with something that makes them happy, you know? It's not a guarantee that it's like, go out and follow your dreams and everything, all the doors are going to open. It's like, maybe, maybe not, you know? And so that's where I get it, you know, the fact that some people are like, look, I like to do that, but I'm fucking broke and I need to pay the bills and I need to do what I got to do for my family. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. No, zero judgment about it. You know, ideally you want to figure out a way to escape, but... If you don't figure it out, I understand you still got bills to pay. Yeah, I think I sound like a self-entitled millennial. Oh, so? (laughs) We're sold the idea that you have to do that. You can just be free. Well, I mean, I think that's, no, I think that's totally important because if you accept that as uh, this is how life is going to be, then you can shoot yourself because it's a shitty life and nothing is ever going to change. And then you perpetuate that reality by by that acceptance. So, So you have to think that no, what you're looking for is freedom, right? What you're looking for is a more fulfilling life. That to me is a precondition to having any possibility of a good life. But once we agree that that's the case, and I completely agree with you there, then we also have to admit that sometimes it's not that easy. And that even, and it's not just because somebody's stupid or they don't play their cards right. Sometimes you also have to get lucky. Sometimes you have to... So it's like this relentless hustle that eventually, I mean, if I think about how many things I've tried in life to get rid of some slave work and have more time for life as I want to, I've tried 10,000 things and, you know, 9,950 never worked. And I'm actually successful because I actually found a small percentage that did, you know? So my case is like the good case. Hey, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out at like, how many failures are behind that spot? Right. And was there a guarantee that I was gonna ever gonna die there? No, there was no guarantee. No way. It just I play my cards well and then I also got lucky. Yeah. You know, so it's Yeah, we gotta wrap up. You got you got things to do. Um 
Yeah, speaking of slave work. (laughs) No, you're doing the good work. Um, The one thing I wanted to mention uh, with that is there was a a bunch of studies around, uh, you've probably seen this, where where people, they rig the game for people so that they're going to just crush the, I think it was Monopoly that they Mm. did, but they they like crush it. Like, cool, you get like the cool piece and you get, you start off with all the hotels and like you're, you're, you have to win. There's yeah. no way for you to not win. Um, and then at the end of that, and then they, they screw you know other players on the, on the board. And at the end of that, consistently, the people that got offered like the golden ticket, they almost always will end up starting to to rationalize why they're. Oh yeah, they did such a great job. I, like, oh, I well, was you so did, good. I shuffled that there. It's like no bitch. You just you started off with six hotels. I mean, I give you an example, and you are totally right, right? And so to make that personal, like for me, I've tried a lot of things, right? And like, I, for example, I'm super happy with my books, but my books never really sold, man. They never really changed, moved the needle for me financially, right? right. And it's something I'll want to do forever, but, you know, I thought that that was the way, you know, writing for me was the thing. Then, like, however, one of those books led me to be on Rogan podcast, Rogan podcast opened the door to a whole audience. Now, I had nothing there. That didn't translate to book sales. So I started Drunken Taoist as a podcast. That kind of worked okay. It's nice, but still didn't move the needle. And eventually, after trying 27 things, like History on Fire is the one that for me hit big. And it is moving the needle. But I needed to be lucky because how many times does it happen that just because you wrote a book, you end up on Rogan podcast and that you click on that day because things work out and you get along and that leads to this other thing and this other, it's so many things in a row have to string out yeah. well for that one payoff in the end which is by no means guaranteed by the way so it's a combination right you have to play your cards really damn well and you have to get lucky yeah. and sometimes as you say we forget the get lucky part we think it's like I'm a self-made man, you know, it was all thanks to my hard work and my sheer genius that it all worked <laughs> out. And it's like, that's an important part. <laughs> it's not the only one. And in some cases, it's not the one at all. Because yeah. as you said, if you got everything handed from day one, yeah, yeah, I've really done shit, you know. It's, yeah. So it's funny. But uh, I think um, that's, at the cost of sounding like a broken record, that's kind of my thing is like, when put between two choices is usually a bit of both you know it's rarely this or that and in this case yeah of course talent hard work good ideas of course they are an important thing without that we don't even begin yeah but of course luck is a big deal and it's not all about luck definitely but you need a little of both you know yeah so if you only got one you're you're lucky but you don't know what to do with it you're not going to go anywhere. I like the idea, and then we really have to wrap up. I like the idea of no matter what base you start on, and all that matters is how, how hard you run. Yep. You know, so you start first, second, home, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't, doesn't fucking matter. What matters is like, did you do the work while you're in, in, you know, in your body you yep. know, or whatever? Absolutely. Uh, that's a common a common thread everybody has. Um, where should people go to find your stuff? Is History on Fire the, the main access point, or what's it's, the thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's like... Google is your friend, right? So it's like now you just put my name in Google, you'll find uh, books, uh, Drunken Taoist, History on Fire, whatever else cool. uh, shows up. So it's um, by now it's, you know, it used to be early on, it's like, oh, this website, this Twitter handle, this thing. It's like, yeah, anybody can find that stuff yeah. in two minutes. So yeah, cool. Cool. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. More, more to come, hopefully. Thank you all for tuning in. Pow. 
thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we've got a couple things to help support that body of yours, one of which is the Align Band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band, comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then a online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at alignpodcast.com slash gear uh, on Amazon, and you can also find it at Align Band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um, modern world is is stricken by uh, gets into how to align your physical body. So self-care, joint by joint, from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck, etc. Really good stuff. Also gets into lifestyle, um, gets into morning routines, nighttime routines, how to effectively handstand, how to move on the ground. Um, people have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.